Hello and welcome back to season three of Joe's Art History Podcast, a podcast which celebrates all things art historical with me, your host and your resident art historian, Joe McLaughlin. It's here, guys. It's finally here. Season three. Oh my goodness. It's been a journey to get here. There has been setbacks. There has been delays. There has been moments of doubt but we are here and i'm so so thrilled to get these incredible episodes edited and out into the world for you all to enjoy thank you so much for your patience your continued support and i'm so delighted to be back it's exciting it's so exciting so this week on the podcast i am speaking to none other than fan favorite nico Paws, aka Nicole McLaughlin, my little sister, on something that's become a bit of a staple on each season of the podcast, and that is famous art cameos. You love these art cameo episodes, they get so many listens and reshares and downloads. You also love when Nicole is a guest on the podcast, the amount of people that write me to tell me your sister is hysterical is fantastic. I love that, she loves that, so it seems only right that after almost a year, over a year since season two ended, that I'm back with a Famous Art Cameos episode and Nicole is my first guest. So if you're new to the podcast and you've never listened to one of our Art Cameo episodes before, let me give you a bit of a rundown of what we normally do. So we normally take a movie and look for any famous artworks that appear within this movie and then we discuss not so much the movie but the artwork within it. And these are normally sort of hidden in the background of scenes or they're very slightly referenced to. Um, and it's always great fun to research these because there's so many fantastic works of art that make a cameo appearance throughout the history of film. However, this time we are switching it up. We are looking at famous art cameos that appear in television series. That is right. So this time around, Nicole and I will take you on a whistle-stop tour of four major television series which have a famous artwork that appear within them. And as you can imagine, there's a range of television shows that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about The Simpsons. We're going to talk about Doctor Who, one of my favourites. We're going to talk about an incredible series called Blackish. And we're also going to be talking about an incredible work of art that appears in the opening title sequence to What We Do in the Shadows. It's a great episode. It's really brilliant fun. We actually recorded this over a year ago. It's been really wonderful for me to go back and, and listen to this episode. And it's always a thrill to have Nicole on the podcast. So thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on. And without further ado, let's get into it. The first episode of season three, famous art cameos in television series. Enjoy. So welcome back and thank you so much for returning for Famous Art Cameos Part 3. I think this is becoming a bit of a season sort of cornerstone episode. <laughs> thank you for having me. I know if I'm always going to come back, it has to be for a cameo episode or nothing else or a beef, but we'll do that one another Oh time. yeah, we could. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so time of recording, it's just freeze week in London has just finished many a beef in and around freeze. But maybe we should do another episode on art history's biggest beefs. Um, but as I said, we're back for part three of Famous Art Cameos. And if you've listened to the previous two installments, they've been famous art cameos in movies. And this week we have decided to switch up and we are going to do famous art cameos that appear in 
TV programs. So I'm going to kick this off. Interestingly, I kind of struggled to find a second one. The first one I instantly thought of because I'm currently watching the program. And it's a painting that appears in a series called Blackish. Have you ever watched Blackish? I've never. I've only seen clips of it. They promote a clip about on Facebook. And I do, every clip I see, I really like it. It's a show. I think it's like on my watch list, to be honest. It's really, really good. It was one of these things I wasn't too sure about. And I started watching it and the characters, you just completely fall in love with them. So Blackish is, the whole series is based around this, the family called the Johnstons. And it's sort of classic sort of family, mum, dad, four kids. They eventually, spoiler alert, have a fifth kid. <laughs> Two grandparents live in the house, but they're very, very wealthy and affluent black family in America. And the show, as well as sort of following the ins and outs of like daily life, it deals with society themes and topics, issues, conversations around being black. Mm-hmm. And they do this in an amazing way throughout the show. They deal with things like segregation, colorism, calling the police when black people are involved violence against black people and there was a really brilliant episode recently on black artists because Andre who's the main character in the series he's a very wealthy advertising director and he has lots of paintings throughout his house and one of the episodes he sort of goes around and sort of talks about the paintings and the painting that I'm going to talk about so if you know the series it is the painting it sits above the fireplace in the Johnson's home in Blackish And it's by an artist called Noah Davies, and it's called 1975, brackets eight. And it was painted in 2013, which is really interesting because it's a very contemporary painting because it was painted in 2013, but the series started in 2014. The artist died in 2015. And Andre always uses, bought the painting in the series as a nod to the fact that there's a thing that black people can't swim and Mm -hmm. it's a nod to the fact that public swimming pools were a place of segregation and black people very often were not welcome in these spaces Mm -hmm. and Andre himself if you watch the series there's a whole sort of thing through it where he can't swim and he pretends that he can and when he goes to pool parties there's always something that happens and it's a nod to the fact that he can't swim but black people can Mm -hmm. and it's all about being included in spaces that were predominantly white I think it's a beautiful painting. And funnily enough, I saw it at Freeze, not the real thing, but they had a solo booth at Freeze Masters and it was a nod. There was just a little sort of printout of it as one of his inspirations. And I said at the stand, I was like, oh, that's the painting in Blackish. And then I knew we were recording this. This was literally yesterday. Yeah. I was like, Perfect. I've got my first. I've got my first. <laughs> that's how it happened. Yeah. If you haven't seen the show, it's flipping brilliant. They really deal with issues surrounding the black community really really well and break it down into very sort of manageable digestive chunks and it really really makes you think in a really great way and I actually feel like I've learned a lot from the show there was an episode particularly around colorism and the different sort of range of essentially black skin tones yeah and I'm currently I've created an exhibition at work called art as expression and it's 18 emerging black artists and one of the series that from a photographer in the show was called Blackish. So it's a lovely little link. But anyway, so this painting by Noah Davis, it's very, very beautiful, but also very subtle. It's essentially, and I've sent it to you online, and if you're listening at home, so I'll send it to you online, Nicole, but if you're listening to this, <laughs> you can go onto my Instagram 
can go on to whatever episode number this is in my highlights reel and you'll see an image of it there. I might even post it on my main grind, but I think I might do an episode on Noah Davis. He's really, really interesting. So he was born in 1983 and died in 2015. And if anyone can do fast math, he was 32 years old when he died. 32. And he was really a visionary in terms of black portraiture and black depiction. He painted what he knew. He worked from photographs, from real life projects and was based in L.A. He trained in New York, but actually he never finished his degree and he moved to L.A. And he was so enthralled by art his whole life. He actually owned an art studio when he was 17 years old. So it was something that he always painted. He always, always painted. He loved to create. And when he moved to L.A., he met his partner and in 2012 they opened this space called the Underground Museum in Arlington Heights which is in LA and it's a predominantly working class black area and the idea of this space was to bring museum quality art to the community that otherwise had no means and his studio was directly across from this but what's really beautiful about this painting is it's actually from an old photograph that his mum has taken Um, in 1975 hence the name and there's a whole series of them that's why it's number eight is also in the title Ah. so it's a whole series of black people in swimming pools and in this one in particular you're kind of you're almost sort of seeing the viewer you're sitting on the edge of the pool and you're just kind of watching someone dive in because you can't see the whole pool in its entirety and what's really unusual is that as it says in the exhibition catalogue that I was reading it's just black people in the painting and again predominantly in history these was this was a space of segregation so it's him sort of reclaiming these spaces for black people and inserting them back into the narratives that they've been throughout history shunted from so it's a really really beautiful beautiful painting in that respect it's very lightly painted it's nothing to sort of jazzy bang in your face it's just really subtle and beautiful and I really really love it some other just sort of beautiful facts about Noah Davis. After he died, his estate was taken over by David Zwirner. And that is one of the biggest contemporary galleries in the scene. And he had a solo exhibition in London, funnily enough, in 2021, where the curator of the Underground Museum, which is still going, and his wife sort of co-curated the show in partnership with David Zwirner. And this piece wasn't exhibited itself, but number nine in the series was. And they recreated what the back room of the Underground Museum looks like. It's a really beautiful painting and just something that I really love knowing the series really well, having watched it. Anyone that hasn't watched it, watch it. It's it's an amazing series. I completely understand and really respect Kenya Barris, who is the writer of it. I really respect him as a writer and as an artist. And yeah, I think it's a very sort of powerful piece and everything, I don't know, it's just very clever. Like it's a very subtle addition that's continuously referred to. But actually, when you look into it, it's very, very powerful in what it's trying to communicate. And that is the first piece. It's gorgeous. As you mentioned, you did send me it. That blood, teal blue yeah. is so rich. And I just want to dive in as well. And it does. It just feels like you're sitting on the side of the pool watching just this beautiful day. It's just chef kiss, absolutely stunning. It's such a good one. It's beautiful as well because it's actually, it's not set in LA. It's actually set in Chicago where I believe his mum grew up, Mm -hmm. but not where the picture was definitely taken. It's 
So a nice nod to different communities in and around America as well. So there you are. That is the first in a series of very impactful cameos. I think it's a beautiful one to start with. What do you have? <laughs> so mine is from a show which, so I was the same as you, basically. I knew the first one straight away as soon as you'd asked me to do this again. So I knew the first one straight away. Um, mine's got a bit of a twist to it. And I was the same. I completely struggled with the second one to the point. I think I phoned you like an hour and a half before the episode when I was like, Joe. <laughs> So I have got two, so we're fine. So my first one is called Salmon, which was painted in 1870 by Henry Regnall. Regnall. And mine's is from the show What We Do in the Shadows. So this is, I've just started watching this. I'm now on season two. It's basically based off of the same film, What We Do in the Shadows. It's a TV show, which is about three vampires one energy vampire and they're familiar and it's a mockumentary basically and it's about their everyday lives and it's just absolutely ridiculous I love it so much it's so funny I couldn't get into it it's so good like Matt Berry is just and the reason why I watched it was well I loved the film and but I love Matt Berry and I've seen clips of just like on TikTok and stuff of just like quotes that he says and he's just so funny he's just Matt Berry is a vampire basically but I've just fallen in love with every single aspect of it but I'm not talking about my love of this TV show but if I think if you're into like kind of culty classics like then I would recommend watching it but mine's isn't really as impactful as uh, Blackish mine's is just about stupid vampires but the intro to the show essentially is it has like classical art pieces that the three main vampires have been photoshopped onto so it kind of documents as if they've been going through history and it's set in modern day yeah so it's, it started in 2019 so I have to kind of think it's that's the era that it's based in it starts in 2019 so you know it's got all these kind of biblical pieces classical pieces where like the I can only remember so Matt Berry is Oh my, Laszlo, and then you've got Nadja, who's my favourite, and then you've got, can't remember the third guy's name, that's shocking, Nan, Nando, I think his name is, Nandor, I think's the third vampire's name, um, you've got an energy vampire called Colin, um, that ended up being my second favourite character, and the whole premise is, so, do you know how you sometimes meet people and they just drain you, because they're so boring? Yeah that's he's an energy vampire he gets a kick out of boring people that's where he gets his energy from so when you meet people and they're like yeah so I went to the bus but then the bus was like five minutes late so then I just kind of walked to the next station and you're like oh my god end this conversation now that's what Colin is he's an energy vampire (laughs) it's like see any time he bores people and you can see it and then he'll just go (laughs) so good you can cut that out but anyway so the intro of it basically kind of depicts how they've gone through time to current 2019. Right. So it starts off with like classical pieces where their faces have been photoshopped on different pieces of art. Right. And then it will slowly turn into photography where you can see them like maybe like in the 80s and stuff like that. So the piece that I'm talking about, and I think this is kind of, it seems to be the one that everyone loves is the piece that's Nadja's based on. So it's the kind of first appearance of her and it's when, so the way the kind of docu-series works is they'll do a thing and then they'll talk to the camera directly (laughs) and then they'll have art kind of flash on the screen to kind of continue the narrative basically. So when Naja talks about her 
origins when she was younger before she became a vampire she's saying like how she was younger and she was a gypsy and then this piece flashes up and it is also in the intro and this is the salome piece but they've just photoshopped her face on this woman's body mm-hmm. and it's done so well that I was reading this article about like when we were researching for this about how bad film and tv tend to recreate pieces of classic art yeah like they're just so bad and there's no need for it to be that bad because of where we are technology wise like because we've got things like deep fakes and AI that you should be able to recreate pieces perfectly with superimposed faces and I think this is one of the best TV shows to do this because it just flawlessly looks like it was painted by Rignault. So I will describe the piece now rather than go on my tangent. And um, so the piece shows it's a woman who is like draped in like sheer gold. She's very seductive. She's got her shoulder out. It does just look like she's just dripping in golden royalty. Like she just oozes, I want to say sexuality, because I think this is the whole point of this. Because I didn't realize that Salome is a character in the Bible. Yeah. In her story, I was like, God, people believe in this. So she's sitting on this like decorative box. It's covered in gold. She's on top of that or underneath her, sorry, is like a leopard skin rug and a Persian rug. And behind her is like, curtains of gold and she's holding a, a gold platter with a knife mm-hmm. um, and her hair's comp- it's just like the way it's described is hair's ruffled but I would just say her hair just looks fabulous it's just massive and curly yeah. she just looks just so powerful but she <laughs> so the story in the New Testament about Salome is that she danced for her stepfather so seductively that he was like what do you want I'll give you anything you want and then she was like I want John the Baptist's head on a plate and then he goes and kills John the Baptist so the whole point of this is like she's so sexy that she got John the Baptist killed yeah but is that because is the story not because she was in love with him and like scorned I feel like it's your stepdad but probably it was the bible they were into that kind of stuff I didn't read it anywhere. I, she was married. I think she'd been married twice. She married her cousin. Because yeah, once you're married, you don't fancy anyone else. Is that it? <laughs> I am a woman of Christ. That is my moral. Well, <laughs> 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 I don't know, because it's the Bible. I just feel as if that's the narrative they would portray women. But the whole point is that she's meant to be like the femme fatale. She's like the ultimate form of temptation because she caused like such a horrific thing to happen to like the Christianity which was get John the Baptist killed okay crazy yeah so it's funny obviously watching this series and then reading the history of this piece and realizing that this woman who's meant to be like she's seen as like the temptress who like lures men away from salvation is what Nadja is because she is just so unfiltered and she's just so unhinged she's so funny and it is like that and she's so overly sexual like that's the whole it's it's so amazing seeing a woman like that on tv where she's just so unapologetically sexual and i think obviously that's the whole point of this piece is this is just a really sexy woman who's just kind of sitting chilling and waiting for a man's head on a platter but yeah yeah, that's that's my first piece so i can't really remember the opening scene but i'll definitely like i know so many people that love that series i probably need to give it another go maybe i wasn't in I tend to watch things, but then also do about 9,000 things in the background while I'm watching. Yeah, I, you know, you I would say 
the first episode is very slow and it was calling that when you've learned about the whole energy vampire thing that's what got me hooked because I just thought that is so funny to have that as a vampire type and then I just persevered I think it's I feel that was the same with like the US office I thought it was quite slow and you just have to be patient with it but it may not be everyone's cup of tea but I I just think it's so fun I love it amazing all right then Thank you very much for that. I will move on to talk about my second painting. But my second work of art, which makes a very famous cameo. And I mean, you'll know this better than I do. The longest running cartoon series ever. I believe so. Or possibly, I think Family Guys or South Park as well. Oh, the Simpsons have been running way longer, surely. The Simpsons are on like season 400. It's not exactly season 400. It's- I think they're all on like... The- nearly 30s to be fair because this is season 30 so wow the artwork that appears (laughs) is in season 30 of the simpsons which aired in 2019 and it shows there's a very sort of great cameo appearance from an installation in the texan desert called prada marfa prada marfa and you've probably seen it it's a very very famous installation and it's essentially a Prada store in the middle of the desert but it's not a real Prada store and what happens in the episode the whole family are like driving through the desert and they're taking grandpa to some toy factory or something like that and they put these are like oh it's a Prada store in the middle of the desert and they get out and Lisa says it's not a shop it's an it's an art installation and Homer's so like dissatisfied by it he says it's by the side of the highway, therefore it's a public toilet. And <laughs> walks, walks around the back and takes a leak behind the store. <laughs> and again, that's just sort of the symptoms, very much sort of poking fun at this sort of bizarre concept. But the store itself, it's by a Scandinavian creative duo, Elm, Elm Green and Dragset. And they actually, they live and work in Berlin now. But they unveiled this installation. So it's a permanent sculptural art installation, which they unveiled in, on the 1st of October 2005. And essentially, as I said, it's this very bare Prada store that's just plonked right in the middle of the desert. There's literally nothing else around it. And you can't even physically go inside it. As an artistic duo, they very much poke fun at consumerism and gentrification and sort of the elitist brands in and around the world and the idea of holding things up aloft as the thing to be and this is very much what this installation is it's very much sort of poking fun at consumerism and gentrification them sort of placing this here being like oh it's the new hottest place to be watch out everyone and it's literally in the middle of nowhere I think it's Mm. 60 miles from anywhere and they just kind of appeared overnight it's got nothing to do with Prada Prada had nothing to do with it, but Prada have a statement on their website about it, um, essentially saying that it's nothing to do with them, although the founder of Prada thinks it's very funny, and they even lent the Prada artifacts that are in the shop from the autumn-winter 2005 collection. So there are six handbags and 13 left shoes. So all legitimate Prada products it's all legit Prada products but you cannot get into the building surely you can try and break in I mean people have tried let's be honest um, okay okay <laughs> the Glasgow person and me came out there 
<laughs> you'd love that blind in a minute. <laughs> I could get there in two seconds. Give me a bag. <laughs> <laughs> love a wee cheeky freebie so that it's going to do. Essentially, yeah, so this is what this was. It was very much sort of poking fun and it's still there today. So the idea was, it was it was erected in 2005 and the idea for the duo was it was supposed to decay over time and essentially sort of crumble into nothing. But in 2012, Playboy actually erected a giant Playboy bunny, a 40 foot, so 12 meter neon Playboy bunny. Mm-hmm. And it opened in 2005. And in 2012, they did this. So that's seven years, seven, eight years. And it was only then that the Texas Department of Transport noticed it was even there. They had never seen it. They just never known what it was. And the only reason they knew it was there all of a sudden was because of this neon bunny. And that was because they believed it was an illegal, both were illegal forms of advertising and it's illegal under a highway act that was passed in the 60s that you have to have permission to place adverts along these desert roads. So Prada were issued with something to say, take your store down um, or take your pretend pop-up store down. So because of that, the artists were like, no, 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 it's this installation. It's been here for so many years and it's now been preserved as a museum because of that. Now, it doesn't mean that it's been completely free from scandal. It was also, I think, round about 2012. Hold on, let me just check my notes. Okay, so I haven't written one about, but it has been attacked by an artist that goes by the very, very memorable name of 92719 Oh, ring to- I remember them. <laughs> Fancy. Rolls off the tongue. Absolutely. Fancy. One, two, I can't even read my own handwriting. 977. There you are. <laughs> and they covered it in, you know, Tom's, Tommy's, the, the sort of ethical shoe brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They covered it in advertisements for Tom's, even though there's nothing to do with Tom's. Um, it was just him sort of like reclaiming the space. Anyway, he vandalized it, graffitied it, stuck all these all over. I think some of the windows were smashed. And essentially he was was fined something like twelve thousand dollars to like repair all the damage that he did. But yeah, the Elms Green and Drag Set actually they're very, very interesting artist duo. A couple of years ago, 2016, they unveiled Van Gogh's ear, which was an upside down swimming pool in the middle of Rockefeller Center. And they also had a, a sculpture on the fourth plinth in London, which was a little boy on a rocking horse. And it, which was a nod to, like a playful nod to the history of, of growing up and sort of being heroic while you grow up. Um, so they're a really sort of playful, artistic duo. And I, I love this piece. I think it's, it's completely iconic. And it's one of these things you've definitely seen an image of it. You just don't know what it is. And it's literally the name of the work is on it because it says Prada and then yeah. on the sort of awning of the shop. And there you are, the Simpsons pissed on it. <laughs> sums up the art world if you ask me <laughs> I mean what, everyone's a critic what a review I know I mean it's the Simpsons I can't believe they didn't, didn't even try and predict the future with it you know what I mean so my second and final piece I feel as if I always end up talking about them so when I'd phoned you you know my panic it's because I remembered that there was a famous 
episode of Doctor Who yeah. that had Vincent Van Gogh in it. Yeah. And obviously I've spoke about it before. Um, I discussed Starry Night and then you've had a guest on, you know, breaking down Van Gogh more, talking about everything about it. A great episode with Mimi from season two. So please do go listen to that if you want to know a little bit more. Van Gogh is just... Oh, she's about him so brilliant. But this is a really great episode of Doctor Who. So emotional. So the episode is called Vincent and the Doctor. And the piece that I'll be discussing, so there's actually quite a few pieces, obviously, within this episode. But the main piece that I'm going to discuss is the church at Uver, painted in 1890. So the reason, or the whole premise of this episode is Amy and the Doctor view this piece and they see an alien in the stained glass window. And they're really confused because obviously they know that this alien is not in this piece. So they go back in time and meet with Van Gogh to kind of figure out what's happening and why. Because he also paints like the TARDIS on fire. He, he, all his pieces start to kind of change and evolve things to do with like sci-fi. And they obviously know that's not what not, is meant to happen. So back in time, meet Van Gogh. And it turns out that he can see this alien that no one else can see. And he can see all these things that no one else can see. And that's why he's then putting it in his art. So it's obviously up to Amy and the Doctor to defeat the alien. And then, you know, I don't want to talk about it now, but the end scene is like the most, it's just so oh, beautiful. Oh, it's and lovely. I think just because he had such a tragic end to his life, I kind of want to leave it to the end and kind of go into what happens because it, it's I remember bawling my eyes out <laughs> this episode but yeah so as I said it was painted in 1890 and it's because when I'd phoned you the reason why I believe because I believed I'd discussed this before yeah. because I knew not so much about it but I just knew what to say about it but it's because I discussed it in higher art it was definitely the piece that I remembered off by heart when you had to write your essays Right, yes. Um, so yeah. when you had to talk about, yeah, your art theory, so you had to talk about like a, a sculpture and a piece of art or a painting. This is the one that I discussed because I, I was so convinced, like when I phoned you, I was like, I've spoke about this. Like I remember talking about this, like in a art history manner. And you were like, no, you've not done it. And I was like, it's because I've wrote about it so many times and higher. that <laughs> it's like embedded in my mind. So, but. I'm happy to revisit it because I generally see now thinking about it. I think Van Gogh is a hundred percent like my favorite post impression, like impressionist. Yeah. Definitely one of my favorite artists because I don't think there's a piece he's ever done that I dislike or I'm not fussed. Every piece I see, I'm just like, oh my god, like just insane what this man did and how he preserved the air, like preserved his visions basically. So it's such a beautiful piece. It's essentially the church is like the thing that you're meant to look at. It's the focal point of the piece and just the way that he paints the sky around it and all these different blues and all this like swirling motion. It's like you can feel how fresh the mm -hmm. air is and it just frames this church just absolutely beautifully. And even like you see the movement in the grass, it's just what he was like most known for is just with that each simple brushstroke, he just created like all this movement in one piece. The thing I remember most about it is like the contrast and colours and how he uses them. So he's got these beautiful variant shades of blue and it highlights and makes almost like the roof of the church pop up in the village in the background. Like although the village is quite subtle, you then you that's the next thing you see and it creates this depth within this piece the church has got like 
hues of purple or violet and there is no like sun on it at all like you can tell the whole thing's in shadow but there's just these tiny bits of yellow which just almost gives the illusion that like the sky's kind of poking through the clouds and just highlighting certain aspects of the church it's just chef kiss like I absolutely love it yeah I love the wee nun I just think she's dead cute she looks like she's running the church it looks like her wee skirt's kind of like kicking up when I thought it was someone on like a camel not a camel a donkey (laughs) (laughs) camels very camels so common in France (laughs) absolutely riddled with camels on there (laughs) this piece was amazing the camel epidemic that took place in France in 1890 do you not know that <laughs> I think it's a nun I think that's like an old habit is that a habit is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah I think you're right I think you're right it's beautiful it's, beautiful. it's so she just looks so cute she looks like she's in a wee hurry to get to church it just looks like the back of her skirt is getting kicked up it's just so lovely and it's so calming and the you know that blue of the stained glass window and it's just the simplest strokes and it's still obviously he wasn't great into detail like that like he would just can't well I'd say that but I just even you can see just like the little intricate bits of the window like all the different kind of notches and stuff like that it's just so nice for the listeners at home actually like it does really look like the actual church and yeah there's a great link that you sent me which I'll, I'll include in the show notes as well to vincentvangold.org and it gives you a lot more information about the piece as well which is it's oh, it's just so beautiful like and yeah. it's not really one of his most famous pieces, if you think about his portraiture or the sunflowers, yeah. which at the time of recording have just been covered in tomato soup. Oh, a couple of nutters. Like, yeah, so stupid. I actually feel really sorry for them that they think that they, that's the only thing. Like, the thing is, I can't remember the other kind of eco movement. I know we're kind of off track, but and they kind of disrupt traffic and they block yeah. roads. Yeah. And that I feel is effective what's the word a protest yeah activism that's it right so it's really active activism because the whole point is everyone is affected like you can't get to work you can't get in your car but see when you vandalize art they're then going to have to put stuff in place that restricts it and it starts to take it away from people and I know when they said like is this is art more protected than the earth no it's actually not in hindsight because art has been destroyed in so many like in wars that's been burnt there's countries like buildings getting bombed like nothing is sacred it just I just I think what's happened is obviously you're talking about your movement but no one will take the movement seriously no no don't because don't go for art because that has nothing to do like I get it disrupting things chain yourself to stuff like that's like good old-fashioned old school old style activism and you know like even for example France they're the kings again what they want yeah that's all I'm going to say that's my point on that okay um but let's go back to this you've got a few more things to say and then we'll yeah so this church actually like Van Gogh was very obsessed with this church like he loved it so when he passed his brother actually tried to get his funeral done in the church but the priest wouldn't do it because he was a protestant and he took his own life so the brother then had his funeral in the inn that he was staying in at the time of his death but he got buried near the church so him and his brother are in the graveyard beside this church I know so like I literally wrote that when I'd found that out I was like I don't want to end 
my part on that because that's just horrible so I'll end it with how the episode ends because I think it's it's just so yeah. nice oh nice callback so, nice wholesome vibes so at the end of the episode once they defeat the alien Dr Amy and Van Gogh go back to the future <laughs> and the doctor and Amy t- well the doctor takes Van Gogh to the Museum d'Orsay where a lot of his work is there um, and we've actually seen a few of it and they grab the curator and the doctor says in a hundred words how would you describe Van Gogh and basically the curator just says how we all feel about him you know he is probably the most iconic artist the most loved the most inspirational and his work just stands the test of time and I remember like he like hugs him and gives him a kiss and he's just like so happy to hear how loved he is because as everyone knows about Van Gogh is he had really bad mental health and was really struggling and obviously it didn't happen but just the thought of like how nice would that have been if he knew like how much like he means to so many people and like I bet everyone in the world will have a favorite Van Gogh no one at me it's well at me because tell me what you love because it's the truth everyone knows who Van Gogh is like for sure the most iconic artist in my opinion yeah and it's such a good episode and yeah it's such a simple piece and as you said it's not one of his biggest ones when you think of like the iconics but every piece you look at you're just like so nice so good he's just such a talented artist and I'm glad there was an episode. It's such a weird thing that a Doctor Who episode kind of gives him an homage, but yeah, makes sense. No, it's beautiful. Nicole, thank you so much for coming back on and doing famous cameos in TV series this time. I do feel a bit out of practice, but it was nice just kind of flexing my art history skills. Because even like when we first started this call, I was like, I've not looked under the artist. Was I right to do that? So <laughs> <laughs> there is, it's just nice to look at art and appreciate art. That's especially the whole when you. Point of the podcast. Yeah. You don't need to have like an encyclopedic knowledge of anything. You can just look at it and just enjoy it. And yeah. It because the sky's beautiful or. It documents the camel epidemic of <laughs> don't, we France. don't like discussing it. <laughs> Traumatized. <laughs> what a slip of the tongue. See, even art, even, even art historians get it so so wrong at times. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, <laughs> there was a kangaroo. Oh no, it was an emu epidemic in Australia, but I won't bore you with that. Okay. Like there was a war. No, but like Australia had a war with emus. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, okay. Thank you so much. I will speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. And there you have it, another episode of Joe's Art History Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure to like, rate, and subscribe. It does really help in letting other people find us. You can listen to Joe's Art History Podcast on any streaming platform and you can also watch it in a video format on YouTube. If you would like to support the podcast in any way, I have now released an Amazon wish list, which you can also find in the show notes below. This will allow you to donate in part or purchase in full an art historical text that is of interest to me and that will help in research towards future episodes and it would be really wonderful if you've listened to quite a lot of these if you could buy that as a way of marking patronage towards the podcast that would be 
brilliant. If you would like to get in touch, please do. It's always lovely to hear from people. You can email me, joesarthistory at gmail.com or you can get in touch with me via Instagram, which is at joesarthistory or you can search for my name, Joe McLaughlin, via Instagram and you will find me there. That's all we have from the podcast this week. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, I'll remind you to keep learning and remember, art is for all. Bye.